You are listening to Verbal Manet. The words do remain. Welcome to another episode of the podcast series Right the Wrongs. Every Wednesday and Saturday, Right the Wrongs raises public awareness on pressing human rights issues and creates an incubator of activism. Today we'll be discussing the pay gap and its development under the current crisis. My name is Mason, and today I'm joined with Cam. To understand the current state of the issue, we should provide to our listeners some background about the issue of the gender pay gap. Cam, could you introduce us to the situation before the pandemic? So, women in the European Union earned on average 14.1% less per hour than men in the EU, and the figure has stayed mostly constant throughout the decade. That is 14.1% in the same position and at the same level of qualification. Women are also less present in the labour market than men. Gender employment gap is at 11.7% in 2019, with 67.3% of the women in the EU being employed, while the figure for men stands at 79%. We should also consider that the gender pay gap differs according to the level of education of employed women or to the different fields. High gender pay gap is mostly characteristic of a labour market where an important part of women work part-time or when they are more concentrated in low-paid sectors. How does the salary in the same position differ based on minority affiliation? And what is the highest disparity between different groups of people in the same position? The same dynamic is at play when it comes to minorities. They have suffered from higher average pay gaps and worse prospects of employment. The sad reality is that this discrimination happens from the very beginning. Interestingly, for the discrimination, it is sometimes enough to have a name that is usually associated with being a minority. Your own name on the CV is enough for some to reject your application. So how does the situation differ based on different regions? There are some countries within the EU where the wage gap is actually decreasing. Other where it's increasing over the years, so for example, the level of pay gap in Romania is just 3.5%, while in Estonia it is as high as 25.6%. Only 10 countries in the EU have the average level of the wage gap below 10%. Those include Italy, Belgium or Luxembourg. Countries like Germany or the UK have more than 20%. However, it is important to note that a lower gender pay gap does not necessarily mean more equality. It could also be a consequence of lower labour market participation of women. This is why it's also interesting to look at the numbers of employment of labour. This difference in gender pay gap across the different countries could be linked with labour market participation. For instance, in Italy, with a 5% gender pay gap, The employment rate for women is 53.1%. What are some of the main reasons behind these disparities? The first that we may talk about is structural discrimination. When we talk about structural discrimination, its basis differs across countries. In some, its main part is deep cultural and historical set of biases. However, in some countries, such as all countries of the EU, you have legislation aimed at preventing gender pay gap and giving more power to those who experience it. This is enshrined in the European Directive 54 EC from 2006. So, in sum, 
we have also some structural elements designed to fight gender-based discrimination. Major parts of this problem are also basic stereotypes. Many people have quite stereotypical views of the roles of men and women in the societies, families, companies or institutions. Women also more frequently face the choice between job and family or the difficult balancing between the two. Maternity leave is also a major point associated with this. Some employers are more reluctant to employ women as they expect them to eventually be on maternity leave. How do you see the current changes in the situation when it comes to gender-based stereotypes and gender-based discrimination? Although there are some gender-based stereotypes such as women shouldn't work and should stay at home, take care of the cooking and the children, that are no longer as important as they once were, Gender-based discrimination is still present in our society and a lot of gender-based stereotypes are still here. Indeed, some gender-based stereotypes such as vocational career that are typically for men, like worker or labourer, or for women, like nursing, are still feeling gender-based discrimination. In fields like building, male workers will tend to not listen or respect their female supervisor, as that stereotype is still fresh in their mind. Furthermore, women in all fields are struggling to reach high-ranking positions. It is a phenomenon that we call the glass ceiling, which is a metaphorical invisible barrier preventing women from rising to a certain level of hierarchy. Gender-based stereotypes such as women will want children at some point and will take maternity leave are still at the core of this phenomenon. That's certainly not uplifting. How has the situation developed during the pandemic? During the pandemic, the situation has certainly been challenging for women. Indeed, studies have shown that women and men tend to work in different industries. A study called The Gender Gap in STEM Fields has shown that while women tend to be better than men on average in high school, they decide not to pursue scientific careers after graduation, since gender stereotypes attribute these careers as being for men. Therefore, they oriented themselves on average towards other kinds of fields like literature, culture, teaching or childcare workers. With the pandemic preventing any kind of social contact, these fields are very much suffering during the pandemic. Therefore, the situation worsened during the pandemic since the fields that are struggling are the ones where we find more women than men. But we should also mention that more in-depth research is needed. Have certain steps been taken, for example legislative action, to combat this problem? For this past decade, some countries have been going forward with new legislative initiatives in order to fight against the remaining gender wage gap. For instance, in France, the decree of 18th December 2012 forced firms to create professional equality between men and women, hardening sanctions of firms with over 50 employees not respecting their obligation to gender equality. We can also mention the EU anti-discrimination law and human rights framework called the Recast Directive on equal opportunities and equal treatment of women and men in employment and occupation. This initiative requires implementation of the prohibition of direct and indirect sex discrimination, harassment and sexual harassment in pay, employment and occupational social security schemes.
During the COVID-19 pandemic, parliamentarians, an independent network comprising of national legislators of 35 countries across the American continent, have put forward ideas to target gender equality in their legislative responses to the pandemic. Do you have any other examples? For transnational initiative, we can mention the famous UN Women, short for United Nations Entity for Gender Equality and the Empowerment of Women, presided by Fumzili Mlambo and Guka. They have been working since 2010 for the empowerment of women and to better opportunities and life conditions. They have undertaken a lot of actions to reduce the gender wage gap. They also worked on response in front of the COVID-19 crisis, for example, to support care workers and domestic workers. They are working to change the social norms to support equal distribution of care responsibilities, especially in this context of social distancing and lockdown. UN Women Lebanon will launch an awareness rising campaign in UNDP on social norms, sharing care work and stopping domestic violence, whereas UN Women Morocco is working to encourage men and boys to share domestic and childcare work with women. There are also other non-governmental organizations with the same agenda, like Equality Now that worked in Africa to develop an important progressive and complete judicial tool to protect women's rights, called the Maputo Protocol, that guarantees comprehensive rights to women, leading to improving gender equality in Africa. We can also talk about some transnational companies and institutions that have adopted policy of non-discrimination, but this may do it not only because they care about those issues, but also just as a positive PR due to the civil pressure upon them. So I think it is less appropriate to talk about this. So if it's less appropriate to talk about these issues, how can we, as listeners, contribute to the fight against the gender pay gap? There are many things that we can do as citizens. For instance, through civic participation in political processes. Politics is still the best method of reaching our goals if we want to fight the pay gap. Any social change comes from those who actively demand it. But if we think we cannot participate in politics, we can still change at least workplace culture, for example, or starting raising awareness about these issues. Maybe by a podcast. Thank you very much, Cam. That's the end of today's episode on The Wage Gap. Feel free to engage with us on our social media channels by following us on Facebook and Instagram. And join us for further discussions on our Telegram group. Or leave us a comment at theverbamanagepodcast at gmail.com. This episode was written by Jan and Zinev, produced by Tanfei, and brought to you by Right the Wrongs under Verbamanit. In the next episode of Right the Wrongs, we'll further explore the issue of climate change. You can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, bringing you detailed updates on pressing human rights issues. Until next time, take care.